Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, I'm talking with Marone Golfman, who just won the Colorado Trail Race. But before that, Marone has been busy. Uh, in 2021, he toured the Baja Divide, and in January of 2022, he decided to go back and attempted as an ITT. In doing so, he set a new FKT, or fastest known time, on that route. And so in 2023, he set his sights even higher by attempting a feat that I've never even heard anyone trying before. So in 2023, he decided to take on the Iditarod Trail Invitational, followed by the Tour Divide, followed by the Colorado Trail Race, and then the Arizona Trail Race. Now, the Tour Divide, the Colorado Trail, and the Arizona Trail all have a name. We call that the triple crown of bikepacking if it's done all within a calendar year. I've never heard of anyone adding on the Iditarod Trail Invitational to this. Uh, we did realize that it's potential that uh, Jay Petterberry had attempted it before, but um, sadly, as many of you are aware, Jay was recently struck by a motorist uh, when he was attempting his uh, ride of the Great Divide mountain bike route um, just a couple days ago. So our thoughts go out to Jay for a speedy recovery. Um, but concerning the fact that he's recovering, I chose not to reach out to him to uh, see if this is something he's completed before. Um, so if anybody's aware of anyone who's ever attempted this, I'd be curious. But as far as I know, it doesn't have a name. I've dubbed it the Royal Crown. Uh, so we have the Triple Crown with the three races that I outlined earlier. And if you add in the Iditarod Trail Invitational in that calendar year, um, I'm calling it the Royal Crown. That's what I'm going with. And uh, we'll see what the masses think about that and if it gets adopted. And maybe there's already a name for it and I've just never heard of it. But regardless, that is what Marone set out to do. And in January of this year, he signed up for the Iditarod Trail Invitational 1000, and he won that with a time of 16 days, 21 hours, and 29 minutes. So feeling good from that win, he lined up in June at the group start for the Tour Divide uh, with his hopes high. Uh, but unfortunately, he had to pull himself out of that race due to medical reasons, and we'll get into that in today's episode. But after that, again, he signed up for the Colorado Trail Race, and this year he had a broken hand at the start line, and shortly into the race, he started to develop some serious stomach concerns that plagued him throughout the race, and that is going to be the main topic for today's conversation. Ultimately, Marone would go on to win the Colorado Trail Race in impressive fashion, and uh, next up for him is the Arizona Trail Race. So that's going to be our episode today. But before we get to it, this would be typically the time that we thank the people that made today's episode possible. But unfortunately, we haven't had any new patrons sign up and we don't have any advertisers this week. So this is a freebie. But if you enjoy these episodes and you'd like to see them keep coming into your podcasting feed on a weekly basis, you can support this work directly over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. And you can make a one-time donation or a monthly donation, whatever feels right. Everything is appreciated. 
I guess I'll also take this opportunity to plug the East Texas Showdown 2024. Registration opens on September 21st at noon Central Standard Time. For all the details about that event and registration, you can go to TexasShowdownSeries.com. We have all that information listed there. I will encourage you to be ready for registration. Last year, we had 200 spots available, and they sold out within four hours, and we had a ton of people. I mean, a ton of people who were begging me to get in, uh, but... You know, we're limited by permitting and by space. Um, however, this year, I'm excited to announce that we have 240 spots available, so we have made some extra room. But please, if you're wanting to be at this event, do your homework, ask your mom, do whatever you need to do, take off work, be ready to register on September 21st at noon Central Standard Time. And again, for more details, head over to TexasShowdownSeries.com and check it out. All right, that's it for housekeeping. And now let's get to my chat with Marone Golfman. One quick note about this episode is that uh, it ran a little long the first time we tried to chat. And so we actually did this in two parts. I left a little Easter egg in the middle of this episode just for fun. Uh, so you can look forward to that. But now it's time to hear all about what Marone has been up to and about his latest victory on the Colorado Trail Race. But first, let's have my friend Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Or death. Bikes. Or death. Podcast. All right, Myron Golfman, welcome to the Bikes for Death Podcast. Thanks, man. Good to uh, good to be with you. Yeah, I, I'm stoked to see you. And uh, before we get too deep into the weeds, uh, congratulations on uh, winning the Colorado Trail Race. I have to admit that, I mean, you you know, but uh, for the listening audience, we, we got a chance to hang out a decent amount at the bike ranch at the end of the Tour Divide. And we'll get into that in today's episode. But since I met you and I knew that, you know, you ran into some difficulties at the Tour Divide and had to withdraw. I was definitely pulling for you. I was like, come on, man, you you got this. And uh, anyway, I, I was definitely kind of, you know, you you like a bunch of people, but I was, uh, I was hoping you had a good run and kind of uh, got a little bit of redemption from, I know, you know, a Tour Divide that didn't quite go your way. So just right off the bat, man, congratulations. That was a hell of a ride. Yeah. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. It, uh, honestly did not, I didn't dream of it going quite that well. I, I was, you know, going in with like aspirations of the top five and would have been really happy with just a strong finish. And yeah, after provide, I wanted to finish, right. I just needed, I kind of needed that for myself, my own well being. It's, it's definitely, it's, uh, it's hard to sit with not, not finishing a race like the tour when you work so hard for it for so long. And so 
I just, I just went into this hoping it would go well, but in the end, really just needing, needing for my own. Yeah. Like I said, well-being to, to, to get to the finish line and then for it to go the way it did. I'm, I'm really humbled and, and yeah, just, just, uh, still, still a little bit in shock of, uh, the reality of winning the CTR. Yeah, it's wild. And, you know, we'll kind of get into it later on in today's episode, but, um, I mean, you had some struggles this year, uh, with the Colorado trail race. And so I, I know from watching on social media, um, you were fluctuating between, oh, I'm in a race to, at one point you said speed touring, um, and then you wound up winning it. So, um, it, it seems like it's been just quite the roller coaster of, you know, uh, physical, oh, my cell phone is on, uh, some physical ailments that have that have kind of hit you at uh, not great times, and then also um, just a roller coaster of emotions as you uh, work your way through arguably one of the hardest uh, bike packing challenges there is. If you know the bike packing triple crown, which is I believe uh, kind of what you set out to do at the beginning beginning of this year, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I. Uh... Yeah, just day one didn't didn't things didn't go well. Started having real stomach issues uh, on the CTR, and and there was uh, you know I think when I made that comment about wanting to do a speed tour, it was it was more for myself than anything else, right? It, it's it's kind of like my own psychology of just like all right, if I shift and like maybe maybe I'll transition back into racing, but when I've got when I continue to put that pressure of right, you got to perform, you got to race uh you know sometimes that can be your downfall yeah and so that was definitely for me getting to silverton and and having to make that really hard decision of saying you know what i'm gonna stop right now i'm gonna get a hotel room i'm actually gonna get a good night of sleep uh wake up in the morning and see if if that was enough of a reset for my body to keep going and yeah. um i guess Yes, I guess it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it did. I guess it did. Uh, yeah. So let's, you know, before we get to Colorado Trail too much, let's uh, fill me in on what your goals were for this year. I mean, we touched on that, but but you reference like how much work you've put into, um, you know, taking a stab at the Triple Crown this year. Um, take us behind the scenes. Like, what have you been doing to prepare? How long have you been training for this? Um, let's start there. Yeah. Um, so I've had this goal and this project for 2023, um, to tackle, uh, five big races. And what I see is like the four hardest races in the U S, uh, which would, which are the triple crown plus the Iditarod trail invitational. Uh, and so, um, I, I raced the, the Iditarod, uh, the full thousand miles across Alaska, uh, this past March, um, and had a successful run at that. I started training for that last September deliberately, but I would say that I've been really kind of had this goal for this year, for the last, like since 2021. I've been starting to slowly progress and, and train with, with this year in mind. Um, yeah. And then the rest of the year being right. I did a rod and then tour divide Colorado trail race, um, slipping in, uh, a, a race in Vermont. I'm going to be doing the, uh, Vermont super eight. It's a 
50 mile gravel race across Vermont, uh, and then finishing the year off with the Arizona trail race. Um, that's yeah. a big year. So that, that was, that was my, that was the ambition going in and, uh, just trying to take it one event at a time. Yeah. Get, fill me in on your background in bike pack racing, endurance racing. Um, you know, this is a huge, huge goal to set. I mean, it's actually bigger than I realized. I, you mentioned this whenever we we were hanging out at the bike ranch, but I I had forgotten that you had put the Iditarod Trail on there too and had already completed that. Um, what is some of your background in, in bike pack racing that kind of uh, made you feel like 2023 was the year? You know, what what led up to that to make you feel like you were ready to take on a big challenge like this? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're ever ready to take it on. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's, in it, yeah, it's, it's bigger, it's bigger than, uh, probably anyone can like truly do. And it's a lot to ask of the body, but, um, yeah, I, I, that's a poor question on my part and a, and, no, no, and a good, good point. <laughs> I'm, I'm just good at, uh, good at doing things that are probably not, not the smartest ideas. Um, my history with uh, with racing, I left my career as an outdoor educator. I worked for Outward Bound, Knowles, and and that kind of in that world of of organizations. I had a ten year career doing that and guiding trips all over the country and and a bit internationally. And um, <clears throat> I was taking care of my uncle who uh, suffers from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And I uh, was his primary uh, caretaker during the pandemic. Uh, and following that, my partner and I at the time decided we just wanted to get away. Uh, and we went on a bike packing trip down the Baja Divide. Uh, it took four months to do that. Um, or excuse me, I think we took two months to do that. And uh, <clears throat> I was just really reevaluating life at that time. Well, on that route, discovered who Lael was. Um, I had not heard of Leah Wilcox prior to doing that, but she was one of the creators of that route and started seeing what her career was and, and realizing that ultra endurance cycling was a sport. Um, <laughs> I had done more traditional form mountain bike racing in college. I was, uh, at a D three school, um, and did have the privilege of getting to compete at nationals, collegiate nationals a few times. Um, and so when I when I discovered ultra endurance cycling, it was like, wow, this is amazing. This takes my passion of cycling and kind of just like adventure, right? And adventure sports and really brings those together. And I I got really stoked on the idea. So uh leaving Baja, I I I got this idea in my head to um attempt an FKT ride of the Baja Divide and do it as a fundraiser uh for my uncle. Uh, and try to support him in in his battle against ALS. So the following uh, year, I came back in January of 2022 um, and attempted uh, a ride on on the Baja Divide and was a successful FKT run. Um, and we raised fifty thousand dollars for ALS while we did wow. it. So it was really rad. And um, I'd say that kind of just I've been going from there. Uh, you know, done a few random races scattered here and there, but immediately, you know, right away when I started kind of doing my research and seeing what all the different ultra endurance bike packing races were out there, right. The triple crown came, came up immediately. Um, and, and I'm a mountain biker at heart. And so races like this, 
DTR and, and the AZT are definitely a little bit more attractive to me than, than like the tour divide. But I thought, you know, hell with it. Let's, let's try it. Let's try this whole triple crown thing. And, yeah. uh, and with my coach, right. Kind of just made a timeline that felt realistic in terms of the training and development. And, and that was to give myself a full two years of, of training and development, uh, before I took on the challenge. And so 2023 was, was the year to do it. And, um, and I'm a big winter guy. I, I I'm based out of Anchorage, Alaska. And so I love the winter. And, and so as soon as I moved to Alaska, the, uh, the dream of, of racing the Iditarod was, was there for me. And so I, you know, I said, well, triple crown is not crazy enough. Let's, let's tack on a few more <laughs> races. And then I grew up in Vermont. Um, and a friend was having a wedding this fall. And so as I was putting the calendar, I already had the Iditarod and the triple crown. And then there's this significant block between the Colorado trail race and the Arizona trail race. And I was already going to Vermont. So I thought that'd be pretty fun to, to do a bike pack race, uh, in my home, in my home state. So, uh, decided to tack on the super eight in addition, to all that as well. Yeah. Now I'll tell you what you, you have had an accelerated path from, Hey, going on a bike packing tour, kind of touring the Baja divide to, you know, taking on, we'll call it the quad crown or something. I don't know. Someone needs to come up with a better name, but I really, uh, yeah, I love the idea of adding the Iditarod in there because you can actually do it in a calendar year without they're all spread out. And that really is kind of the ultimate, right? You're going everywhere from, you know, uh, Arctic and just cold conditions to, uh, to the desert of Arizona, right. And everything in between. And so I, I love, I love how it really encapsulates all those different riding styles and, um, certainly a, a, a really neat goal. I I'm curious to have you speak to this. I I'm, I'm just really impressed by you because when I met you at the bike ranch at the end of the tour divide, I got the impression that you are very dialed in and dedicated and passionate about bikepack racing. Like it, it seems like you've just taken this idea and have, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, but almost like revolved your life around. I mean, it seems like you have just completely absorbed the idea of this and have committed so much time and resources Cause when I saw you, I'm like, this guy's a freaking veteran, but it turns out, you know, you're relatively new to this, you know, sport in general, you know? So is that kind of what's been going on? You're just hook, line and sinker bought in. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, uh, right. I mean, there was, there was this, this concept of, I mean, I really do attribute and go back to, uh, three years ago when I took care of my uncle and, and my uncle was diagnosed with ALS, uh, when he was, uh, 56 years old, you know, really young and his whole life. I mean, right. It is a neuromuscular disease. And at this point he's six years in and he's lost entire control of his body essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so to watch someone who, right. I mean, he was, he was a parent figure for me growing up. I spent a lot of time at, at, his, at his house on the weekends and whatnot. And, and so just, just to see someone that you're that close with, uh, right. Like at the turn of a dime, lose their body. I mean, I've always been an athlete. My body's always been really important to me. And, uh, but I think it really spurred up for me kind of a cliche, if you will, right. Of just like really seasoned life. 
uh, well, you have it and, yeah. and you just never know what's going to happen. And so I've always dreamed of being a professional athlete. And for one reason or another, I always justified not going down that path, just feeling like that wasn't uh, right, uh, professionally responsible or, or, or what have you. And, uh, and after taking care of my uncle Bruce, I just really, um, I think that really shifted for me. And I, I said, you know what, now, like if I'm now, if not now, then when? And so, and, uh, you know, I am 30 years old. I'm kind of at that prime time to, to really be, uh, going for it. And, uh, and so that really spurred me to say, I'm going with into this with everything I got. And, and what really attracts me to, ultra endurance cycling versus other sport types is, is that I'm, you know, again, maybe it's cause I, maybe it's cause I got some self-hatred somewhere inside me, but I I'm really <laughs> attracted to the concept of, of pushing the human body to its absolute limit and seeing what is, what is possible on the absolute edges of, of, of human capability. And, and that really attracts me to these races. Um, I love how dynamic they are. I love that. It's not just a race, right? There's so many more aspects to it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely diving in uh, all the way. I mean, the first two years I was based out of Anchorage and I was still working full time because I needed to make right a living for myself. And then uh, May of this year I left and I haven't, I mean, I've been working a little bit here and there just to supplement a little bit of income and try to support myself. But I am like, um, I'm gambling a bit and I'm, I'm going for it and, and hoping it, hoping it works out. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I resonate with a few things that you said. Um, I lost my father at 58 to pancreatic cancer and that life moment is absolutely the re the thing that kind of shifted my direction in life and, and led me to here and into bikepacking. And, and what I always say, like what I had said at the time and kind of think of is, you know, say yes to life and um, seize the day or whatever, you know, mantra you want to put in there, but it really does put life into perspective. And you're like, all right, what do I, what do I want to do today? Because uh, tomorrow's not promised. There's a, I, I mentioned this on another episode, but memento more is a phrase I like. It it's um it it means to remember that one day you will die. And it's a little bit morbid, but the idea is to be present in the moment and you know, today is what you have and um uh, make the most of it. Um, because you don't get an infinite amount of days, you know. The other thing that you said that I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, the gambling aspect of it. I, I I feel that very much. I I quit my real estate job in January of this year, and I'm like full time bikes for death, which is awesome. But it's also it's like just jumping off of a cliff and hoping that your parachute will open. But I mean, you know, you only get one chance at life, right? So why not why not take a little bit of risk and and uh, and pursue pursue something that will make you. I, this sustains you, right? That like, that, that provides value to your life, you know? Um, that's the way I think about it at least. Yeah. So you, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, you're like living in a van now. So you like quit, quit your job doing the van life thing and, and really just focusing on, this task of completing the quadruple crown 
that needs a better name. Do you have a name for it? Whenever you've been yeah. peddling all those, that's what you got to do whenever you're doing, uh, what's the next, AZT or Vermont? Uh, you can think of like cool names for f- four of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I've, uh, I have not come up with any, any good name. I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll leave that to someone smarter than myself or at least more witty, I guess. But, uh, um, in terms of living this year, yeah, I've been, been on the move. Um, I mean, I've been based out of, so since I left Alaska and I, I pretty much made my way to Banff, um, uh, for the tour divide and then, bopped around i made my way down to uh down to the end of the tour uh when i had to scratch um i had you know i scratched due to a pulmonary edema and i i had to drop down elevation get myself to the hospital i was in the hospital uh or in and out for a couple days uh but then once once i got cleared i i went down to the end of the tour to support all those guys finishing and um after that i i came back to colorado and i started uh really kind of established myself here for the summer so I've been base camp mostly out of Leadville, uh, Colorado, um, which is at 10,000 feet. And that was really deliberate. Uh, and the trip, you know, the Colorado trail runs right through here. Um, <clears throat> supplement a little bit of work. I, I did, uh, I, I get harassed pretty much every year by outward bound them them asking me to, Hey, would you, would you consider coming back teaching a course? And I said, yeah, I'll come back as long as you all can, as long as you all will let me, uh, ride my bike every day and, and I can train, um, then, then I'm in. Uh, so I've been, been in and out, taught a couple courses here out of Leadville and it's allowed me to be at 10,000 feet and then leading these backpacking courses. We're going up to 12 plus 13. Um, so sleeping at high altitude, I'm on the Colorado trail pretty much every day this summer. Uh, I've been doing a mixture of, of biking and a lot of mountain running. Um, my bad luck seemed to continue. And, uh, two weeks after the tour, I, uh, fell and broke my hand, uh, broke no my way. right hand. Yeah. And so then I was off the bike for another two weeks, uh, and just committed to trail running. Um, well, I, well, I let that heal and it's still technically broken, but, uh, clearly not, not too much that I wasn't able to ride the bike. Uh, just painful. Um, how did you yeah. break it? Uh, it's, never, <laughs> it's never an exciting story when you break your hand. I was, uh, goofing around. I was riding a unicycle, you know, getting, doing some balancing. Turns out I should stick to two wheels, not just one. Yeah. And, uh, and a friend, a friend jokingly said, Hey, don't get hurt. And, uh, gave me a little tap and fell over and, didn't go so well. Um, yeah. So, and now I'm just continuing to be on the move. I actually, I leave for, uh, the East coast. I'm flying in New York city on Friday and I'll be, uh, in new England for the month of September while I train for that race and give me a little bit of time to go see some family and friends. I've got that race out there and then, uh, back out here to the Southwest, uh, and I'll drive my van out to Arizona and, um, go uh, do some scouting and training before the ACT. Yeah. I love it, man. I love the dedication. I'm, and I'm, yeah, again, it, it was cool to see you pull off the W at CTR, um, especially after, you know, things not going your way at Tour Divide. So let's let's touch on Tour Divide just a little bit more. Um, so you, you had to withdraw, pull yourself out with pulmonary edema. Um, at what point did that happen? 
uh, yeah. When, when did, yeah. when did that go down? So I, uh, scratched after eight days, um, in Pinedale, Wyoming, um, which I believe it's like roughly around 1200 miles into, into the tour. Um, I was having some pretty unfortunate health issues right off the start, uh, on the tour as well. My gut was shutting down. Um, <clears throat> it turns out, I guess, living in Alaska, the thing that has uh, been my downfall is that I've gotten, gotten very accustomed to being in a cold climate. And so the heat has definitely been affecting me being down in lower 48, uh, and, and it, heat plus exertion, and then add altitude to that. Uh, it's definitely been really messing with my gut in, in these races. So, uh, almost immediately I was just, my body just, I couldn't eat any solid foods and I, I got really dehydrated and, uh, day two and three of the tour, I didn't pee for two solid days, uh, which was really alarming and scary, but being stubborn that I am, I, I kept pushing through it. And so I was just objectively sick, uh, for the whole, that whole first week of the race. And I was just like doing my best to try to try to hold on to the top 10, um, and just stick with those guys. And, and my hope was, Hey, you know, if I just, you know, I'm pushing, but trying to keep it easy, maybe I'll, you know, I'll get, I'll, I'll get better and find my second wind and be able to kind of catch back up to where I, I would want to be. Um, but instead I just kind of kept deteriorating, uh, and then heading into the mountains just before, uh, Pinedale, uh, you do reach 10,000 feet there and, um, started experiencing some pretty significant chest pain and shortness of breath. And I just wasn't feeling like myself. I mean, I just wasn't putting any power out. I was, I was writing, you know, flat, flat road sections. And I felt like I was doing, you know, like a 18 degree climb and it just, it just felt really weird. So I made the decision to go to the health clinic in Pinedale. Uh, and I, I basically said to myself, you know, I'm going I'm going to, it's, it's near impossible to make this decision for myself. It's, it's so painful to, to even consider scratching. Uh, but you know, if the doctor says that I can't keep going, I'm going to listen to that obviously. And, um, you know, these, these races are really important, uh, but they're not worth your life. So, uh, yeah, went to the health clinic and it was, uh, probably more extreme than I expected. And they said, actually, you got fluid in your lungs and, uh, yeah, pulmonary edema, you got to, you got to drop an altitude and they were actually pretty concerned. They, they, I was able to convince them cause I had, uh, I was able to have someone come pick me up, um, the next day, but they were about to put me in an ambulance and send me off to Jackson hole. Cause they were so concerned. They, they wanted more testing, you know, in Pinedale, there's just this tiny little health clinic. So they, they weren't able to do everything, uh, there. And, uh, but anyways, uh, and I ended up being just fine, you know, after about three days of not exerting myself and dropping down in altitude, I, uh, my body started recovering. And I mean, it obviously took a few weeks for, to be back to myself, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really, uh, unfortunate and, and, uh, was really painful to, to not finish. And I'm not used to, I'm not used to that feeling of, of, of having to, um, call it quits. Um, oh yeah. Why did you decide to go to the end of the tour divide? Yeah. Um, as I was having these days on trail, 
uh, well on the tour. And, you know, I was riding with different guys and, and just, I mean, really full transparency. It was, it's emotional. You know, we get so invested in these races and, and it was, it was painful to even start to even begin the conversations of man, well, I have to, is there a possibility I might be dropping out of this? And, um, and I, you know, something that was really clear to me, even while I was, was suffering myself, you know, it was like, man, are you, is it frustrating to like see the other, the other guys, right. To see like Justinus and Uba and right. And like Stephen Lahirek and like Joe Nation, like to see these guys, they're having, having a good race. Like, is it, is that frustrating to you? And I was like, no, not at all. Like, I love it. Like, I'm so stoked for them. You know, I, uh, I feel such camaraderie with all these other, with all these other folks, uh, who, who choose to do these crazy events. And I'm so happy that, right. Cause I know how hard they've worked because I've worked that hard myself. And so it's just like, it makes me happy to know that they're having the race that they worked for. And, um, and it just didn't feel right to imagine not being there to, to, uh, to celebrate them, to celebrate their ride, uh, what they had accomplished. You know, we were all together at the start. It just, uh, it would have felt, would have felt really strange to be somewhere off somewhere else uh, while they were all finishing. And I also just know how freaking remote uh, and kind of what a, a difficult ending that is right there at the, the Mexico border. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I've got a van. Uh, I've got a resource. Why not come down there with a bunch of food and drink and the van? I can throw as many bikes in there as we need to. I can shuttle people to airports. Uh, a lot of these guys are coming in from out of the country. Um, you know, I've got the time. Uh, it only feels right to go uh, and help out. So, and I'm really glad I did it. Uh, it was really, we had a really special few days. I mean, you got to be there. You got to see all of us hanging out and just um, feasting at the table and, and laughs and stories. And I mean, that's what it's all about in the end. I, I love, I love these races. I love, you know, getting in the zone and, and, and giving everything you've got and, and pushing yourself beyond what is, you know, considered possible. But then at the end, right, no matter how it goes, like the fact that we can all sit there, um, kind of, this, yeah, it's just a really special community of people. And, and those moments before and after the races, when we're all together are, I think what really make, make it worth it. Yeah, it's absolutely an amazing community. And I think, uh, you're certainly a part of that. Um, no one will fully understand, uh, other than me and Justin us and Steve and Joe and Uba, um, but you were an absolute rock star at the end of the tour divide. I mean, the, I, I, I learned a lot of, I learned a lot about you and how much you care about your fellow riders and about this sport. And, um, you know, no one made you go out there. That was just something you wanted to do. And when you were there, you, you gave everything for those guys, you know, anything you do, cooking food, going and picking them up, taking them to the airport, helping them with whatever they need. Um, and it was really cool to see. And it, it is people like you and, and those other guys that make this community um, really great. And so I wanted to just publicly acknowledge um, because not everybody got to see 
that special dynamic, you know, that's, that's at the end of the tour divide and you were certainly a, a big part of it. And I thought that spoke a lot to your character to, you know, things didn't go your way, but you sucked it up and you're like, all right, well, what can I do? You know, how can I be involved? How can I give back? Um, how can I be a part of it? And it was really cool, man. I liked it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I hope next year um, I see you at the end of the Tour Divide and uh, I'm congratulating you for finishing. But it was cool to just hang out with you. Uh, we got to spend extra time together because you were out of the race. But um, how how much did not being able to finish the Tour Divide impact you? Because you're early on in your uh, this, this challenge. You've completed Iditarod. Now we're moving on to the Tour Divide, having to scratch how much of a bummer was that and and how did that impact maybe how much pressure you put on yourself for the Colorado trail race? Yeah, it's a great question. And, uh, and the truth is, yeah, it was, it was super painful. You know, I think, you know, when we saw each other, uh, down there, uh, at the end of the tour, I, I, it was a quick turnaround, right? I basically left behind went to the hospital and then almost immediately it was like, Hey, let's, I, I quickly got my van ready and I drove down. Um, didn't have a whole lot of time to process everything that had happened. And it wasn't really until I came back to Colorado, <laughs> I had a, I had about a week of, of to rest after that. And, um, I was, I was kind of just working on, on my van and, uh, and it sucked. It was really hard. It was heavy, especially, you know, once, once it's all said and done and, you know, the guys have flown back to Europe and wherever, and, uh, you know, you're on your own again. And, um, and, and the reality of not, not completing that sinking in, um, again, I'm, I've, I'd have zero regrets of coming and supporting all the guys, but, there, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if, you know, I didn't acknowledge like, yeah, sure. It is hard. Cause I get, you know, I'm so glad I was there to support them and celebrate their accomplishment. But like, right. That I had been for months prior to that dreaming of that being me, you know? And so, uh, <laughs> it's been a tough summer. It's been a really tough summer because, uh, this is, you know, I made a really big sacrifice leaving home. I knew when I was, when I left Alaska, I was, I was bumming out because I, I love my community there. I love my life that I've created there. I was not, I wasn't just excited to go and have to like live nomadically for the next five months. Like it wasn't something that uh, excited me, but I was, I do feel really committed to this project that I have for the year. And so like, you know, the things we want usually don't come without some sacrifice. And so it's as, as much as it's, it's painful to not be around people and, and to be as a kind of on my own as I am this year, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been committed to doing that, but sitting with, sitting with that, uh, with that scratch and just, it's inevitable, you know, it's kind of hard not to go to a place of like, well, shit, maybe, maybe I'm not as capable as I thought I was. Maybe I don't have this. Like, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not as strong as, um, I, you know, I was, maybe I was just over ambitious, uh, and I, I bit off more than I could chew. And so, you know, I'd say it was actually the opposite of like kind of motivating. Well, I, I forget what that, what the exact word is that you just used. Um, but, 
in terms of like how it then affected me thinking about the Colorado, I think it really humbled me. Um, and I didn't, I think it, it made it so that I was going into the CTR with, with slightly, well, for lack of a better term, right. Just more, more humbled ambitions for what, what the race would look like. And I, um, kind of, like I said, I, I just went into it. I just wanted to finish. I knew that I just needed that for myself. I needed, needed to see myself at the finish line, regardless of, of where in the pack that was. And, um, and I for sure had goals of, I mean, I've, I've been working towards the, the DTR for a long time. Now I, I came out to Colorado last summer. I scouted the trail. I rode it in six days from Denver to Durango, or excuse me. I did it from Durango to Denver, just the same way we did it this year. Um, I, you know, this, as I was out here this summer, I pretty much rode every single segment of the trail um because i wanted to be as fresh on on every mile of the trail as i could be um and so i hadn't i had this goal in my head going in i wanted to finish in four to five days uh and but in the end i knew gosh i i don't like with the way my stomach went on the on the tour i don't i don't trust that it's going to work out like it you know i just i was just a little bit pessimistic to be honest and um uh and then I think breaking my hand in addition to that, just like, man, things are just not going my way. Uh, again, I just need to finish this thing. And, and frankly, I, I don't doubt that that maybe that served me well. Um, you know, one thing I did going into this race that I, it's, it's inevitable. You usually can't help yourself. You get on your phone at least a few times in the race. You check track leaders. You want to see where you are. So something I said to myself going to this is, I'm not using my phone. You know, obviously I'll have it on airplane mode. I'll listen to my downloaded music and podcasts or whatever, but I did not turn my phone at all. Um, and, uh, was committed to not taking track leaders. I didn't want to know where anyone else was. I just wanted to go out and ride my own ride. Um, and that's exactly what I did. And, uh, I think that that worked in my favor to just, I had a plan. I knew what I need to do on this trail. I knew what different segments offered, what challenges, and I just, uh, you know, did those on my own. I had some really, <clears throat> some really nice moments. I got to ride with various folks. Uh, I got to ride with Katya for a few hours on night two. Lael and I rode together for three hours. That was a real highlight. We just got to ride the road section out of BV and did some great chatting and laughing. And um, But for the most part, I was just out there on my own, which is different for me because as you got to witness, uh, you know, when we were hanging out, um, I'm a really social person. I love riding with other people. I don't go into these events like excited to spend the time alone. I actually go into them. I've often gone into them really kind of fingers crossed that there'll be someone else who's a similar speed to me so that we can ride it together and, and kind of be out there. And, uh, this was different. I just, I needed, uh, for myself, uh, after after the way the, the year had gone so far, I, I needed to just go out there and do my own thing. Yeah. Let's talk about your stomach issues. So you made it to Silverton this year whenever you, you made that post on social media about kind of switching to a, um, a speed tour. Um, when did you start experiencing these, like specific to the Colorado Trail? When did you start experiencing the the stomach issues? 
were they similar to what you experienced at Tour Divide? Because you were, you said, what did you say in your Instagram? It was like, I even wrote it down. Hold on. I got some weird lessons I need to figure out, something like that. But uh, you, I mean, you could see like, like how bummed you were. You're like, man, I've, I've got some work to do. Like, I got to figure this out. Like, what is going on? That's, that's how I interpreted that. Yeah. Um, the issue, yeah, stomach stuff was, it was similar and not to what I had on the tour. Um, yeah, I historically, I've definitely experienced a lot of like acidity, right? Like acid burps, like needing Tums, right? Just like feeling, yeah, just feeling that acidity in my chest. And then it's just like food is, is gnarly. Um, so going into this race, right? The, the start of, the start of the race when you leave Durango, if you're going in 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 that direction, um, going eastbound, it is a gnarly start, right? You have in the first 20 miles of the race, you gain 7,000 feet of vertical feet, um, and it is, uh, you know, I don't I don't think there's any way. It doesn't matter how fit you are. It doesn't doesn't matter. It's gonna it is gonna destroy you, and so I knew that going in. I was definitely like, all right, got to set a really like steady pace and just stick to it. And I actually felt really great. And, you know, it was about four and a half hours till I reached, you know, a high point around 12,000 feet. And then you're in the high Alpine of the South San Juan there. It was about six hours into the race that I was starting. I was like, Oh gosh, like I, I'm starting to like, it just had a stomach ache and I was starting to feel really nauseous and nauseous to the point where it was almost causing me like a migraine. Um, and I was just trying to push through. Uh, uh, I've learned for myself that I do a lot better with liquid calories than I do solids. So I had a whole bunch of liquid stuff with me. You know, anyone who's raced with me often makes fun of me because I've got a whole holster of, of liquids on my back and my jersey pockets of naked smoothies and little like protein shakes and stuff that I can get my, my liquid calories in versus having to eat uh, solid foods. And, uh, and I was keeping all that down and, and then it was just like increasingly starting to feel crappier and crappier, man. It was like, uh, and then, uh, Lale and, uh, Indiana Schultz caught up to me and the three of us kind of were all riding together. And, uh, we got up to one of the last passes before you start really descending down towards Silverton. And I was like, guys, I'm just going to lay down for five minutes. I think I, I really just need to stop for a second. And I was starting to feel like I needed to throw up and, uh, yeah, took a, uh, set my alarm for five minutes and the alarm didn't even go off. I, I just like woke up, sat up and I just started, uh, projectile vomiting. And, um, uh, as often happens i felt a little bit better right after that i was like okay let's use that and i tried to move down the trail as quickly as i could and uh but i was just that nausea was was getting really gnarly um got into silverton and then just kept throwing up and so that was like okay real red flag and i i was that's when i made that decision that i i needed to stop um and to be honest like where my mind was at that point was like all right well it looks like that's the race, you know, I don't think, uh, I was, I was fully committed to finishing. I was not going to accept like scratching or anything of that nature, but I was thinking, okay, that I might just be really slowing down. 
you know, I just, yeah. I just might not have more than 80 miles on the trail a day, uh, which is just, that's still plenty of traveling. It's just not a, a racing, you know, a competitive racing speed. So, um, yeah, I just got the hotel room. I passed out to need anything. The next, you know, I slept for, I ended up sleeping. I set an alarm for a five hour, uh, rest that night. I just naturally woke up after four and a half hours. It was like one thirty in the morning. Uh, and I just woke up and had some really simple foods, ate a little bit of bread. I think I made myself some ramen, um, and resupplied. And I was like, all right, you know, let's just, let's just, let's just start climbing out of Silverton. Let's just see what happens. And I was a little bit slower. There was actually a few other bikers on the trail and they were moving slightly faster than me for the first couple hours in the morning there. Um, and then I kind of just hit my stride. Um, and to be honest, I've just gotten so used to having stomach issues now. Um, that I try to do my best to eat, but I'm really used to just riding and and being at a real calorie uh, deficiency and not eating what I need to. And instead of eating like, you know, 200 calories, 300 calories an hour, I'm eating like 50 calories an hour. And maybe I'm skipping a couple hours, like an hour, because I have an alarm on my on my bike computer that goes off every hour telling, reminding me to eat. And I'm some, sometimes the alarm goes off and I'm like, all right, I'll try to eat something. And, and often I'm just like, no, I, my stomach can't handle it. Um, and then basically that kind of was just the, the theme for the rest of the, the race was like, um, just having this really extreme, knot in my stomach felt really nauseous, barely could eat anything. Every once in a while I would stop and just sit down for five minutes and try to force myself to eat a little bit. And a few times that made me vomit again. I, I threw up 11 times over the course of the race. Um, and I ate uh, probably only like 2000 calories worth of solid foods for the whole, for the whole event. And otherwise I really subsisted off of, of liquids and like, <laughs> like that and put that in their article because uh josh heard me uh talking at the end of the race but i mean it was actually true on on the last day i all i all i pretty much i subsisted off of coke that was it yeah it's so crazy man it doesn't even make sense it doesn't make sense that the human body can do that like you you know what i'm saying like you shouldn't be able to do that big of an effort in one of the hardest endurance bike pack races there are, you know, on the Colorado trail period and be able to win without giving your body the calories that to my knowledge, my, our bodies need to be able to do that kind of stuff. You know, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're running up on your nine twenty five. Um, do you want to try to wrap this up real quick or do you want to try to like hop on another day or another time and like maybe just have a little bit more time to chat? Up to you, dude. I'm happy to. I'm happy to make more time if that would. If you'd like that um, to to fill out the the episode, um, yeah. I I mean, I kind of just want to hear basically from Silverton on, but I don't know. I I feel like we don't have quite the time. I'd like to let that breathe um, okay. because that's a pretty cool storyline. Of I mean, the whole thing is uh, it's just fascinating. It's fascinating to watch your. Uh, that your dot on track leaders and like you stop 
and then you just start picking people off and to know that you have a broken hand and you're have no calories and you're, I mean, it's just, it's pretty wild, you know? So I kind of want to have a little bit of time to let it breathe. Okay. Um, do you want to just plan on, on doing, uh, on eight thirty tomorrow morning, same time. Is yeah. that yeah. work for you? I do. Yeah, this is my okay. full time job, so I can do yeah anytime. But whatever works for you. So yeah, yeah. I and I'm sorry I didn't manage my time very well. Uh, but I don't know. Brevity has never been my strong suit. People wonder why I have a long form podcast. I'm like, well, it's because I'm interested and there's a lot to talk about. So. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. No, dude, we're good. It's it's great to chat with you. Um, it's good to see you. Um, let's, yeah, yeah let's too. plan on, uh, on, on eight 30 tomorrow morning and, and, and cool. wrapping it up. All right. There we go. Coming in loud and clear. Right on, man. How's it going? Oh, good. Thanks for, uh, doing this again. Oh, hell yeah. Happy to. Let's just, yeah, let's just start from the beginning. We'll just, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Redo. Yeah. Uh, what do you is that a pear or an apple? Apple. Still trying to uh get some calories back in? Oh yeah. No, I'm like pretty slowed down at this point. I usually let myself take like three, four days of just an absolute free for all, eat everything I can imagine. And then I try to slow down. I I don't know. Yeah, I I uh I lose a lot of weight on these trips and or on the races. And then I'm like, eh, let's try to, you know, maybe not gain all of the weight back. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, uh, you ready yeah. to hop back in? Let's do it, dude. <clears throat> awesome. Well, thanks for coming back. Uh, let's, let's start at, I, I think I'd like to start at, um, the town, uh, steamboat, um, Silverton. What, Thank you. That's the <laughs> one I knew. I mean, I'm having a major brain fart. Let's get the brain yeah. fired up this morning in Silverton. Uh, <clears throat> so for context to this conversation, like Silverton is rather early on in the 527 miles of the Colorado trail. So what mile does Silverton come at? Yeah. So Silverton's really like the first uh, significant mile marker of, of the race. It's one of really only a few real resupply points along the whole route. Uh, and so when you're taking off from Durango, the push from Durango to Silverton is, is big. And if you can get to Silverton in time to resupply, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a real accomplishment right there. Um, it's definitely kind of the big first hurdle. So it's about, um, at least the way they did it this year. Uh, I don't know if it's how they done it on other years, but we kind of did a neutral start right from downtown Durango, which ended up adding like five or maybe a little bit more miles to the route um actually getting to the trailhead so i think we were just shy of 90 miles uh as we got into silverton okay and um and then the challenge there is that silverton closes right the there's a and because the race starts on a sunday the gas station closes an hour earlier than it does other days and the grocery store closes at 8 p.m so the race starts at 4 a.m. and you basically have that window, uh, you know, to get yourself to. So if you want to resupply in Silverton, then you have to get there before things close. And at least in my mind, going into the race, the you know, a number of folks, Lael, I mean, she just packed heavy and then they go. 
ready to go until all the way until Buena Vista. But now you're talking about doing half of the entire route without a resupply if you don't stop in Silverton. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, <clears throat> so mile 90, that means you have about 437 miles left. You started developing your stomach issues even before Silverton, but that's when you you took a break and kind of reset and got back on the road. I want to get an understanding of like what your food intake was for the next 400. And, I mean, it's kind of a big question, but um, it's, it seems like they, the, the food issues and the stomach issues kind of plagued you throughout your entire race. So can you give us an idea of like what that looked like? Like what were you throwing up the whole time? Were you able to keep any calories down? Like what were you, what were you dealing with, with your food and stomach situation? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I took minimal uh, in, in in took minimal solid calories up till Silverton, and uh, I'm going to try to put out a YouTube video uh, in the next week or two. I, I I've done a whole video recap right after the race with all my gear, and you'll see in that uh, I, I'm pulling apart my backpack, and literally I still have all the stuff that I supplied in Durango. I pretty much still just had sitting in my backpack because I never ended yeah. up eating any. Solid. I saw that on your, uh, you teased it on your social media. So I saw just a, a screen cap of uh, the, uh, the food. And yeah. uh, I mean, it looked like a good four or five pounds of food, <laughs> like sitting on the yeah. ground. Maybe. <laughs> some good, just some good training weight, you know, just don't, yeah. I wouldn't want to ride too light. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, so I got into Silverton. I did, was able to put down a few solids. Like I, I ate a cup of ramen uh, and I tried to put down a few mashed potatoes and then after that, you, um, uh, yeah, you're heading up back up into the Alpine out of, out of Silverton and I, my system shut down again. So between Silverton and, um, Princeton hot springs, I didn't consume any solids. Uh, I had with me a few, uh, like I was saying yesterday, I had, you know, I, I, I had some naked smoothies and some like little protein, shakes that I found at the grocery store there. Um, and I think I survived on about six little bottles. So we're talking, I mean, in each bottle is anywhere from like, you know, 200 to 400 calories each. And imagine I only had six of those bottles and I kind of just like would take a sip every once in a while out of those and made those last pretty far. Um, I also use these, uh, spring energy gels. They're awesome sauce. They kind of just taste like applesauce, and those usually do okay with my stomach. was able to put down a few of those, and that was basically it. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, no more than 2,000 calories intake between Silverton and Princeton Hot Springs. Um, you have an idea about so how far of a, a... In terms of mileage, uh, we're looking at uh, roughly, gosh, okay, like, let's see, like, I mean, we're talking maybe almost 150 miles on the trail. Um, so that was a day. We're talking a day and a half of riding. So it was a full day. Um, and then I slept out in the Sergeant Mesa region on night two on the side of the trail. And I got to Princeton Hot Springs about midday on Tuesday. Um, when I got there, I uh, was beating hot. Um Decided I would try to take intake some solids. I ate a slice and a half of pizza. I couldn't even finish the second half. And then uh, 
headed up uh those that have been there it's a steep paved climb out of um princeton hot springs got to the top of the hill and uh proceeded to puke all of the all the food that i had just eaten um so it was like solids weren't weren't doing doing it for me and um yeah so then it was just liquids that night i got into buena vista uh, I got some just rice at a Chinese food store and just ate some simple rice. Um, yeah, got a little bit of like chicken with fried rice. And it was one of those things where I like, you know, I got a full meal and I maybe took like four bites out of it and and called it good. Um, and so that was that was about all I ate there. I did resupply and then I uh, took down, uh, headed off down the trail again. You have a long road section and I, uh, I saw a light in the distance. It's about like nine 30 at night now, which, uh, we're talking, um, it was Tuesday night and, uh, catch up to the light and it's, uh, turns out it's Lale. So, uh, Lale and I rode together for the next like three or so hours. And, um, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's at that point that I, uh, you know, I'd slowly been passing folks and, uh, over the last day and a half and I catch up to Lale. I wasn't checking track leaders. I didn't know where I was, um, in terms of like where I was in the pack and where every, everyone else was in front or behind me. But I get to Lale and she's like, yeah, there's only two guys in front of us. And I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, um, you're like, I'm in the race now. I guess so. Yeah. And, uh, and then we, we passed, uh, someone on the trail, they were sleeping on the side. So it was like, okay, there's only some, only one guy in front of us. And then unfortunately, Lael was really struggling with her breathing and she's just been really plagued by that this year. And so she eventually had to just call it quits around, uh, midnight or so. And so she stopped and, um, I just decided I wanted to keep going to get to the top of the climb that we were on at that point. And, uh, so I got myself right out, uh, next to twin lakes and I slept a little bit on that night and, uh, woke up, uh, woke up on Tuesday or sorry, now we're Wednesday morning, um, twin lakes and, uh, to, uh, Johnny Pierce had passed me, was passing me. And, um, I immediately got up, I hit the trail, passed him back and was on the move and heading into Leadville and, it was definitely my favorite section of the whole route. Uh, you know, I, I, I lived in Leadville all summer, kind of started feeling like home and I knew the trail around on either end of Leadville really well. So was just feeling really, really strong as I headed, uh, headed, headed into town. Um, went in, went into Leadville, went to, uh, Leadvelo BC Casa, which is one of the bike shops here. And, um, I know Rafa, the owner, and he was open and, did a quick tune on my bike, threw a new chain on there. So I was just feeling like, you're right, the bike's in great shape. I'm ready to, you know, go hard to the end. And uh felt really, really good resupplied. I did actually eat a little something that morning. That's right. I I ate a Caesar salad and it for some reason that was the ticket and I actually went down and felt fine. Drank a lot of liquids. I think I was able to put down a little bit of chocolate milk um and took off from there. And basically that's kind of what started happening was like, if I ever allowed myself to slow down for any, like, you know, give myself 30 minutes to an hour to let my, you know, let my heart rate come down, let my just whole system chill out for a second. I could like put a little bit of food in me, but then as soon as I got back on the bike and I'm, you know, actually, you know, the heart rate's elevated again and I'm moving down the trail, 
trying to consume any solids wasn't happening. So again, kind of just relegated back to just uh, liquids. Um, for some reason, I like went in and out throughout the race. There were times when I could just like water, just plain water was really good or like putting some kind of like electrolytes in my water would work. And then there was times when I was like, nope, that is, it was just making me feel real ill. But the one thing that's consistent that always seems to uh, never bother my stomach and always tastes great and gives me a big energy boost is Coke. So just drinking a whole lot of Coca-Cola out on the trail. So I was How many always, calories is in one Coke can? I, I don't know, 120 or something? I mean... Uh, something like that. I have to look at Yeah, not much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, got myself to uh, Copper Mountain. And that's really the only place I ate an actual meal. I actually was able to eat a whole sandwich um, in Copper Mountain. And then after that, I, as... Uh, <laughs> They, as they said on, on bikepacking, um, I went pretty hard cause you know, at that point I definitely was, was, uh, was tasting the finish line and, and I knew that, that Jason was, uh, was fairly close. I had just heard on, you know, from trail rumors that he was about mm -hmm. an hour to two hours ahead of me. So feeling like there was a good chance that I might be able to catch him. So I, uh, uh, was definitely, Yeah was fired up and uh so made my way up and over to Breck and then just kept going um and uh as we headed into that last night I heard that I was only a mile behind him and uh my plan was to just push through the night I had my own personal goal I really wanted to finish by 4 p.m on Thursday which would have been a four and a half day finish and mm -hmm. um so I'd really hoped that I was going to be able to just go through the final night without a stopping and I felt great until about 10 p.m. And then um, I just completely fell apart. It was my stomach. It was uh, physically I felt great. But my I just I just found myself once again having just this incredibly like just epic stomach knots, just cramping and just like basically keeled over. I'm like it happened multiple times on the, on the race where I was just feeling pathetic. I was just like in the fetal position on the side of the trail, just like trying to feel human again. and. So I stopped, I slept for a little bit and I actually, at some point here soon, I'll start releasing uh, a bunch of selfie videos I took throughout the race. And I've got some videos from that night of just like being in a lot of pain and really suffering. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, at that point I was like, all right, well, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to finish this thing off. I'm, I'm not going to be probably not in contention for winning and I'm not going to finish in my four and a half day mark, but I'm just going to go for it. I definitely didn't want to go another night. I'll tell you what, I was, I was, <laughs> I was very ready to be done. And I did not, I was not excited about the idea of having a bike into another night. So that was motivation to keep going. And final day on Thursday, uh, I, uh, I intentionally slept right on the trail so that, uh, when dusty, uh, the other Alaskan would pass me, it would wake me up just in case I didn't, you know, wake up from my alarm. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, that happened. <laughs> Two, honestly, two mornings in a row that uh, Dusty passed me as I was sleeping on the side of the trail. And I woke up and just like super quick, got on my bike, <laughs> caught right back up with him. We rode together for a fair amount that last day. And then we kind of got towards the road section and I took off. Um, I knew that section well, and I knew that I could I could push out some miles uh, in a short, short time. And um, yeah, 
uh, was brutal. That final day is, is epic. It's, you know, there's no shade. It was about a hundred degrees. I clocked 97 degrees on my, on my thermometer and, uh, sun's just beaten down. It's funny. We actually had really, you know, relatively good weather this year for the race. Uh, and, and there were so many times where I was just, man, I wish it would just rain. <laughs> and I, I just yeah. want some, some, uh, rainy wet weather. Cause it would have cooled things off and would have gotten us out of the sun. I definitely got pretty baked this year and, um, yeah, ended up, uh, catching Jason, uh, right at the final, literally the last mile of the road as we turned into the final stretch of 40 miles, a single track. And, um, unfortunately, you know, I felt real bad. Jason had a really bad, uh, crash, uh, not long before I caught him and he was pretty skinned up. Um, but you know, he and I had this really, really magical, really just, yeah, really sweet moment. Um, where, you know, we, we got onto the single track and I was right on his tail and we got to the top of the first climb on the single track and, and we just stopped and gave each other a high five and kind of just held hands and just like congratulated each other and just had a real, real nice moment of, of camaraderie and sportsmanship. And, you know, he said, you know, he just, he just, uh, acknowledged and said, man, you've just had a great race. You, you deserve this win and I'm starting to fall apart. So it's all yours, bro. And go for it. And it was really sweet. And I was really glad he and I actually got to, uh, go out for drinks and, and, and have dinner together, uh, two nights after the race. And, and, and that always feels really good. So I'm just uh, glad you're able to eat some food finally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then there was the final, the final 40 miles of uh single track and, uh, finished on Thursday night. It was crazy. How far ahead of second place were you? So, uh, it ended up being, uh, Dustin Enhoff, uh, other, other Alaskan. Anchorage, uh, Anchorage resident. And, uh, he was an hour and 20 minutes after me into the finish. Yeah. So yeah. he was That's... definitely, I mean, honestly, once I passed Jason, I was, uh, you know, I really switched my brain and was like, all right, you gotta be rubber side down. And, uh, and I just was playing it conservative. I just, I just, you know, I kept looking over my shoulder to see whether it was Jason or Dusty who I might see behind me, but didn't want to risk anything. So I definitely slowed down a little bit in those final miles. And I know that Dusty really ramped it up and he was, he was, he was hungry. He was trying to catch me. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, you know, now you're, you're racing. Now you're back in race mode. You're pushing for the lead. Um, you're, you're feeling good enough to make that push. Obviously, were you at the same time concerned about your body's ability to keep putting out, you know, these big efforts without the caloric intake that one would assume you kind of need? Like, was that always a nagging thought in your back, uh, back of your mind, or you just kind of put it to the side and balls out, let's go. Like, what was your mentality? Yeah. You know, I, I really wasn't worried about it because I mean, of course, of course I, I was worried about it, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you're starting to run low on water um, or run low on food, if you're actually eating it and, and like that can be so stressful. Um, it can absolutely affect your performance. And so I think I've just come to learn. It's like, same, anything can happen. All of a sudden your body's just not performing. And so for me, you know, I just take it when, when my body's doing what I need it to do, I just, I'm riding the wave. And, and so, and I'm just, 
I'm trying, I'm, I'm always right. Like you don't want to, you don't want to just ignorantly take advantage of that. You always want to be trying to take in calories. You always want to stay hydrated so that you don't find yourself bonking or dehydrated or whatever it may be. So I was doing the best I could. I was drinking a lot of soda. That's really all I, I was, I was putting in my body there, uh, in the final stretch. And, um, but otherwise, like I was, I was really just trying to stay focused on, on the trail ahead and not let myself get bogged down by that, those what ifs. Cause I just find that if, if, you know, if I go down that rabbit hole, it can just, it, it messes with your head. And it's incredible how, how much these races are, are as much about your head as they are about your body. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard 50, 50 and I don't, I mean, I think everybody has their own metric, but I mean, you got to have both of them to be able to complete these, these events. Yeah, absolutely. One last question. I don't want to focus all on your stomach, but, um, you know, that played a major role in, in this race. It sounds like you've had issues with your stomach previously. Is this something that happens when you're, when you're training and you're just out riding or is it only happening in these, in these big events, maybe these bigger efforts? Yeah, generally, uh, it's not an issue when I'm training. I mean, the thing is I can go, I mean, I, I really have, over the last couple of years been working to train my body to not do this, but like my natural tendency is I'll go out for a five hour ride and I just won't even eat anything the whole time, but that's really bad habit. So I've been working to break that. Um, yeah. but the, the, the reality is right. Like, Oh, almost never every once in a while, a couple times a year when I'm in, you know, like a multi-month training block and I don't have any events, then I might go out for a couple day training period. But typically right training rides are, you know, um, you know, limited to being within one day and, you know, maybe I'm going out for eight hours, but even then like eight hours, is just nothing compared to when you're out right for hundred plus hours, you know, nonstop yeah. during these events. So it is a little bit hard to replicate uh, the level to which, you know, what ends up happening um, physiologically for me, uh, you know, once you're 10 hours, 12 hours, you know, a day and a half into these events and, and how my system starts shutting down. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we've discussed on the podcast before, but, um, you know, the, these really tough endurance efforts is going to expose, you know, quote unquote weaknesses. Um you know, Lael Le ha has her, uh, has lung issues that will creep up from time to time. I don't know if you saw the Silk Road mountain bike race where Justinus was hacking up on the side of the road. I mean, you're, you're putting your body through extreme conditions and it has a tendency to react. Do you think that's kind of what's going on with your stomach? It's like, you know, it, it's just your body's way of kind of protesting to what you're doing. Yeah, I have no doubt that, that there's there's truth yeah. in that. And, and it's it's a little bit of a mystery. I mean, I think a lot of, I'm limited by how much I, what I can afford, obviously, and, and I'm OK with that. But, uh, you know, some work that I'll be doing is is um, I'm definitely searching for a sports nutritionalist who uh, might be able to, you know, who does some specialty and might be able to help me in this in this realm. I think it's it's definitely my Achilles heel uh, when it comes to to these kinds of races. And, and I'd like to figure it out because I've got, I've got some big, big dreams that I'd like to keep uh, manifesting and, and, and I'd be excited uh, to keep racing and, and really see what, what's possible uh, when, when I'm not limited, right. Yeah. By, by something like my stomach. 
I'd be super curious. I mean, uh, doing the Colorado Trail period on on with stomach issues and lack of calories uh, is impressive. Going on to win it is just amazing. And it is it. I'm curious, you know, how how well would you perform with a full stomach? Right. And, and not dealing with throwing up and dry heaving on the side of the road. So you you actually brought up a great segue. Um, I wanted to talk about kind of the landscape of, of being a professional uh, bike pack racer in today's day and age. You mentioned early on you've always had this dream of being a professional athlete. You've always had that you know desire or thought that that would be cool. Um, are are you looking at bike pack racing as a potential for you to you know take this on as a as a career as a as some sort of profession as an athlete? Um, you mentioned having big goals. Can you speak to that real quick? Yeah, I'll speak to it to the degree that I feel like I can, you know, I think, <laughs> uh, right. Uh, what, what my dreams are, what I, what I aspire for is, is still on, like manifesting. Um, I am definitely attracted to the idea of, of being, being able to be a full-time athlete and potentially being in a position where, where I'm able to financially support myself through, through racing and through, I mean, I think eventually what I'm most ex- excited about and kind of where, you know, going back to what I started when I, when I got into ultra endurance bike pack racing was with the Baja divide and doing that fundraiser and, and being successful and raising $50,000 uh, for the ALS association uh, and supporting my, my uncle and and that community of people that's where I'd like to take my career. So for me, that's, you know, I've, I've never, I've never been that excited about just being an athlete for the sake of being an athlete. I think that, uh, as athletes, uh, we're, we have the, the privilege and the responsibility of having a platform and that we need to use that. And so I hope that down the line, I can do even more of that type of work. And that's really what I'd love to see my path be eventually is, is that, you know, I've got, uh, companies behind me who are excited about also engaging in, uh, environmental, social, um, causes of importance and that I can use my racing and even more like expedition based storytelling, uh, to promote, promote issues that matter to me. Um, and that I feel like I can actually have a real effect, um, in so, uh, I'm still, still finding what that's going to look like. I mean, right now I'm, uh, right. Like we talked about just making it right. I I mean, I left, left home and work and, and this year was just a real big investment in trying to make a splash, uh, and, and go after these big races that I've been, been looking at for years and, and do my best in them and see what's possible. And, um, and hopefully down the line, I'm going to be able to, you know, find find others, whether those be companies or, or other folks that are excited about what I'm doing and and want to help support me and partner with me in 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 those dreams. Yeah. So, I mean, at this at this point, the name of the game is uh, get some results and attract some companies attract some interest. Right. I mean, that's kind of the, the path forward, at least at this stage and in, in what you're trying to accomplish. This is something that isn't talked about about very much, and I want to be sensitive to it. But um, can you give us an idea of like 
what it's like to be the person that won the Colorado Trail Race. Do do brands start reaching out? You know, do you start getting DMs from companies like, "Hey, we'd like to talk to you," or "We'd be interested in this," or you know, what what can you talk at all about like what you see on the back end of your DMs? Sure. Uh, I mean, frankly, not really a whole lot, at least so yeah. far. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a funny thing. It's it's always really funny to hear perspectives of folks that have come from uh, maybe come from like cycling or professional sports, but aren't in the like bikepacking scene. And folks are, you know, like you won the Iditarod, like, oh, what was the cash prize for that? Or I even got that like yesterday. Someone was like, oh, wow, you won, you know, the Colorado Pro Race. That's really cool. What was the cash pot? And it's like, well, there isn't any. That's not that's not how these races work. And I mean, maybe maybe our sport's going to change one point, and we're going to get big companies wanting to you know put on these these events. But um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, frankly the way that things have gone for me so far has been my own work of of selling myself and putting myself out there uh, to um, ask for support. And then it's, you know, I give most of my credit to, you know, an incredible uh, community of, of friends and and people and loved ones in my life. Folks that have just been excited about what I'm doing and, and want to see me succeed. And so they've actually reached out on my behalf. And that's how I've gotten a lot of the, the connections that I have so far is, is through folks putting out a word on my behalf and saying, Hey, you should really, you know, talk to talk to Marone. And, uh, and there's been a few companies that have said, Oh yeah, we, we would like to. So, I mean, and it's frankly, it's, it's minimal so far. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, there's, it's a little bit of support and we'll see, we'll see what happens down the line. We'll see if there are, we'll see if there are companies out there that, that are excited about what I'm doing. Yeah. I think that's just still the landscape. You know, it seems like that's kind of been the landscape since I started, you know, covering bikepacking and bikepack racing is, you know, bikepacking is still relatively new and the sponsors, I mean, I know from, you know, having a podcast, like you're having to almost like explain to people why that, you know, like get them bought into bikepacking first and then like maybe you as a, but it's still a, it's still relatively new. And I think sponsors and companies are still trying to figure out, you know, how to work with athletes, how to work with podcasters or media um, and how much assets to devote to that. Like how big is this going to be? How much exposure are they getting and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it seems like it's still kind of, it's still in development essentially, you know, like there isn't a, a clear path forward on this is how you become a professional bike pack racer. Um, maybe they're just waiting on the bikes for death podcast to come out and, and your <laughs> phone will be, <laughs> I would love that for you, man. I would love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but, I think, I think that it's also just a, it's a niche sport and I think that right different, like there aren't many, but the few, there are different folks within the, within the bike pack, the ultra endurance, world uh who are you know who are at least making a partial uh living off of doing that work and i think the model of which people are doing it looks different right and you know like what i spoke to is like yeah i don't i mean in the end like what i'd love to do big picture i don't want to just race right like i would love to go you know i have an expeditionary background i you know and so i would love to do a lot of that i'd love to do more filmmaking and storytelling 
and and be uplifting the stories of various communities and various issues uh, through, you know, through the means of a bike uh, and then do a few races here and there. Um, And then I think, right, like, what does it mean to make it sustainable? You know, you can't like this calendar year is big. I don't know that it's really realistic that someone could race as many of the level of the races that I'm doing this year. Right. I, I did a rod and a tour divide and a Colorado and AZT, right? Like, I don't know that it's sustainable to do that year after year after year. That's those are, I mean, these races really take a toll on your body, right? You talked about, you know, how we've been witnessing Lael suffering with her breathing and how Justina's really, you know, was getting hit hard out there on the Silk Road mountain race. So, you know, it's like, I think we also need to be mindful of like, we love to watch these races and we love to see again, what I'm attracted to, right? Like what is humanly possible? Cause these races we are, we're not just like, they're not just physical feats. We're talking about pushing the human body to its absolute limit. And, mm-hmm. but at the same time, what we don't want is to just like encourage people just racing nonstop and just killing themselves, you know, for, for the sake of the sport. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I, how do you pronounce your name? I, I realize I've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. It sounds like, Oh, you're totally good. Uh, pronounced Marone. At least that's how, that's how it's pronounced for Americans. It's a, so I'm a, I'm a Russian, I'm a Jewish refugee from the Soviet Union, first born in the U S so it, uh, would be pronounced Miron. But uh, yeah, in the U.S., I I tell people it's it's Maroon. That's how most people know me. It would be yeah, like phon- I, phonetically, it would be spelled M E R O N E. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of the podcast, uh, I asked you how you'd pronounce your last name just to make sure I got it right. I thought I had the first name down, but I apologize for that. You're good, uh, brother. Most, most it's uh it's like that. You know, it doesn't bother me at all. It's pretty funny. You'd be out on the races and. Uh, and people will be like, yeah, go Myron. It's like, awesome. Thanks. That's <laughs> me. I'll do, I'm Myron too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, AZT is next. Um, I mean, I know you got your Vermont, uh, you know, uh, race that you're going to do, but for, you know, the, the quad crown or whatever, uh, AZT is next. How are you feeling about that one? Uh, how do you think you're, I mean, that's more of a mountain biking type discipline, maybe a little bit hotter. What are you thinking about going into AZT? Yeah, uh, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm equally uh, nervous to how excited I am for the Arizona heat. Definitely not looking forward to it, but uh, there are certain aspects of the race that they definitely have me jazzed up. You know, the um, I think... I thrive in, uh, in, in dynamic races that are more than just pedaling. And so I really love these mountain bike races where we're on and off the bike, where we're really, you know, you can be really strategic about what you take and don't take and how heavy is your setup and all of that. And, um, and then the fact that we have to hike from rim to rim on the grand and you gotta, you know, design a backpack that can carry the load of, uh, of, of the bike and how efficiently can you do that hike? So, I'm excited about, about all of that. And, uh, and it's going to be a rookie run. So, uh, you know, while it was a rookie year for me on the CTR, I actually, I've lived in Colorado for years. So I've, I've, you know, I've known various sections of the route last year, I was able to come out and, and, and tour the whole thing. And so I scouted the route and then the summer I was out here 
So I just, I, I had so much time to study uh, ahead of time and be prepared and know, know what I had ahead of me. Um, and for the EZT, I'm, I'm planning to go out there a couple weeks early. I'm actually planning on going and uh, Lael and I have some plans of uh, doing some training together before the race. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but I know that I won't know the route as well as I knew the the Colorado Trail. So, I mean, I'm hoping that, that I can, I'll, uh, I'll be just fine, but you know, it's the, all these races, they're, they're epic undertakings and, um, we'll just see, we'll just see what happens out there. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, uh, watching your dot, man. Uh, I've been, uh, ever, ever since, uh, like I said, over a tour divide, whenever I met you, I'm watching with a little increased interest. I'm like, you know, anytime you know somebody, you're like, Hey, I'm going for that person. I'm totally. rooting for a lot of people to be, you know, to be clear. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. uh, I just, yeah, it's like anything else. You just want to see people do their best and, uh, go out there and have good rides. And, um, I try not to play favorites. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. You got to go do uh, onward bound, uh, four days, 16 hours, 51 minutes, uh, 2023 Colorado trail winner, Marone Golfman. Congratulations, man. And I mean, I'm sorry you had the stomach issues. Like that's a super bummer, but, um, the fact that you're able to like power it through and, and manage your body and the train train and everything, um, and come out with a W is like pretty freaking impressive. So I'd love to see what you do with the full stomach. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm incredibly humbled to, uh, couldn't, I honestly couldn't have imagined in my, in my wildest dreams to, have, to be the winner of, uh, the CTR. It's, uh, it's pretty surreal. Um, I don't know if it'll ever feel real. So I, I really appreciate it. And thanks for taking time to chat with me. It was, it was great. Oh, yeah. No, it was my pleasure forever, man. 2023 Colorado trail winner forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, dude. All right, man. We'll have fun at work today and uh, we'll be watching your dot in the future, man. Congrats. Okay. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. And a big shout out goes to Marone and a congratulations as well. It's a bummer about the Tour Divide that, you know, you won't be able to do all four in a calendar year. Um, but seriously, even just signing up for such a big and epic challenge is impressive in and of itself. But hey, a win at Iditarod Trail, a win at Colorado Trail, that is nothing to snuff your nose at. And uh, I guess we'll have our eyes on Marone as he enters into the AZT in October, along with a bunch of other really great riders. So that's going to be a great race for sure. All right. And next week, I am chatting with Katya, who was the women's Colorado Trail race winner, and she set a new FKT on that route. So truly an impressive ride. She also came in second at the Tour Divide. uh, And so it was a great chat. I loved catching up with her and I can't wait for you to hear that episode next week. Again, a quick reminder, if you'd like to support this podcast, everything helps and you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. All right, everybody, it's been an absolute pleasure. Until next week, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake.
in the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes. Oh, death. Bikes. Bikes.